We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, welcome to the True Faith Any Questions podcast. This is normally a podcast reserved for our patrons, but there's no football, so we're not doing patron at the moment. Um, we first opened up questions to those lucky people, and then we opened up the forum on Twitter. Um, this is a podcast that we do fairly regularly, once or twice a month. You can put your questions to us. Uh, there's usually a few of us on, on here, and it can be about anything. It can be about football, or it can be about, I don't know, animals, or The Simpsons, or whatever. It can be about anything. Um, so we've got a little mix today. I'm Charlotte Robson. I will be hosting. I'm joined by Adam, Norman, Alex and Mickey. So we've got a lovely little cocktail of people and I've got a questionably nice actual cocktail here because I forgot to make a sugar syrup and so it's a very sour whiskey. Sour. Um, so um, it's lockdown, in case you didn't notice. It's a big pandemic, um, and so the first question came from Paul Simmons, who um, wanted to know how the TF gang are coping with the or filling the football hole during during the lockdown. Adam, how are you filling your hole? Um, two football-related activities. Um, I'm teaching my three-year-olds um, football in the garden. He's he's got, in fairness to him, he's been kicking. Okay. The- Size five leather footballs with bare feet, not even complaining once. So that's been good. Um, I've also been playing as Newcastle on Football Manager, and I got us through to the Champions League final. Oh my god! Congrats! Big day. It's just a sign of things to come, everyone. Uh huh. Yeah. Notice you didn't say won the Champions League final. I lost against my cousin, who was Sheffield United. (laughs) (laughs) That's the most like the most. The most English attitude to teaching football ever, by the way, is like getting a really young kid. Like, you learn with a size five. <laughs> and no shoes. Yeah. Brazil- Brazilians are using like size twos until they're 17 and then they're all class at 30. That's what you want to be doing. I'm doing it the wrong way around. He has been putting a bucket like down on the side and telling me to like shoot a ball into the bucket from, a, from long range. And That's I good. use him as a moving target um, to hit. <laughs> Really, it's, it's great for both of us. Really. Oh, yeah, good for both of you. Um, Mickey, what about you? What have you been doing? Not a huge amount, to be honest. I'm still, um, I'm still office-based, so I, I, I have a, a routine in my life, which I'm quite grateful for. The football um, hole is the question. But the football hole, there's very little, isn't it? I've, I've recently joined a team on four clubs on FIFA, which 
if you haven't ever got involved and you play FIFA, it's absolutely class. Um, other than that, I'd like to say I'm I'm more on top of the my allocated jobs in the house, but I think if you asked my better half, she would disagree. Well, um, I think this might go out on the YouTube, but you can see that Mickey's also been filling the football hole with some facial gardening. Is that yeah. topiary? Um, Alex, what about you? Busier than ever with all things football related, even though no one's kicked a ball in a long time. Uh, most of you will have seen the the, the digital town hall, tune hall, um, that Chionura and the supporters trust put together. Um, so yeah, just 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 kind of filling my, myself with football admin. We put out a lot of podcasts as well, and thanks to you guys who've been who've been smashing those out. So. Yeah, missing missing football, but it's nice to catch up on some other stuff. But uh, I think the takeover has kind of filled this big hole in our lives with the endless possibility which it provides. Yeah, I was going to say there may not be any football, but there's been quite a lot of news surrounding Newcastle United, so it hasn't really been completely dead and boring. So that's. Um... I mean, we are still paying for it as well. I'm still paying my season tickets. Yeah. The disgrace. Yeah, so. Total disgrace. Also, like now, now, now more than ever as well. We're like we're completely trapped into those payments because nobody now is, is going to give up the season ticket. Other like you'd be absolutely mad. So, like so far, so far, paid eighty two pounds for the privilege of being able to get a season ticket if the uh, if the ticket goes through in twenty twenty one. What about you, Norman? You've been making quite a lot of the podcasts that Alex referenced before. So it's um, going into sort of the annals of history with um, with different podcasters. Um, how else are you filling the football hole? Well, I joined this um, online club. Uh, these people call them Seventh-day Adventists, and I've been doing loads of stuff for them. Um, and that's been really nice. Uh, and also, um, <laughs> I, uh, what else have I been doing? I've been what? studying. I was... Um, I was just finishing the first year of a part-time master, so I had a couple of essays to do. Um, that took up a lot of time. Been working in the garden, spending time with the dog, and um, I just getting on my new friends online. The Seventh Avenue, <laughs> check them out. Have you have you joined an online cult? Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's a cult. It was just really, they were just being really nice to us. So I said, "Well, why?" Yeah, you're going to wear. I set up a direct debit, and we meet like we meet online and talk about like things. <laughs> oh my right. God. Well, congrats on your new life, Norman. I suspect this will be the last time we'll ever see you. So, um, all right, we, we'll move on. Um, this question from Tony McGarry um, came from Facebook, and it was um, it's off the back of the takeover, and then and then news adjacent to, to to the takeover. So, given the choice, would you take Rafa or Pochettino, Alex? Uh, remember, remembering that the choice in the summer for like Charlie was Bruce or Allardyce. Quite hard to answer that one without without just breaking into a broad smile. Um, I think I think I'd always go for Rafa Benitez, who knows the club, knows the supporters, and we got a glimpse of his thrown together with peanut side at the end of eighteen nineteen, playing some absolutely delightful football and and some get, achieving some tremendous results. Uh, I'd love nothing more than to see him glasses in pocket again. But if I can't have him, uh, Mauricio, and that's a beautiful name, by the way, Mauricio, I'd love, I'd love for him to come and take up the reins at St James's. What about you, Norman? Would you um, agree? I, I, I would, I would take Rafa first, just because I think 
when he left, we were all, you know, most of us were still massively in love with him. Um, and, you know, that love hasn't died. And I would love to see him back. I mean, just can you imagine the first game, if the Raf has announced in the atmosphere at the first game where he's in, he's in charge, it would be spectacular. Pochettino, a brilliant manager, still got a lot to prove. You know, he hasn't won any silverware, so this would give him a great platform to do that. Um, but for purely for romance. And also, I mean, on the clinical side, Rafa's record is immaculate in terms of winning trophies. And if he's given the investment, I think we'll win trophies very, very, very quickly. Um, so I, for me, it would be Rafa. Adam or Mickey, do you contend, do either of you contend that we need some fresh blood? Is that a phrase? Somebody fresh? Do you think that Poch would be a better appointment than Rafa? Or is there not much in it for either of you? I'm looking for an opposition view here. I don't, I don't have one for you. I'd have Pochettino, like, with, with huge delight. But, you know, I, I was thinking there, when those guys were talking, like, when Rafa first got appointed and we were in the car on the way down to Leicester, like, buzzing, trying to make up songs about him, and then we got into the ground and people had already made up better songs than us, and, like, <laughs> people were just so buzzing, and, like, the whole concourse and the stairs up to the stand was, was full of people going metal singing about Rafa, and that was before we knew how fucking classy he was at Newcastle. To have him back and get him to get him to finish the job that he wanted to do from the start would be would be so satisfying. Yeah, I mean, offer opposition. It's amazing that we even that we're in a position where it could be Pochettino or Rafa or Nagelsmann or Allegri or whoever it is. It was just a base too. Those those. Yeah, I know. know. I'm just in general. The the fact that we're having this conversation is glorious. Rafa Benitez. Swift integration and there's unfinished business there. That's your yeah, you're right. I think the integration part is the key, isn't it? Like, and he gives a shit on and off the pitch. Yeah, there's no, so many players that st- still with us that played for him. N- nobody's keen on giving Bruce five hundred million. Hmm. Let him finish the job he started. I give him that to go away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he. I reckon he'd take it as well, like. <laughs> very noble of him wouldn't it be um all right uh from i'm just doing it kind of in order and then i'll uh, this is what i do i start in the order that they've been written in and then i start going when i you know finish my drink i go all over the place um matt hart wants to know what's your can of choice red stripe okay it's an easy one because it's an easy one to get normally i would go with something of it a bit more invested, but Red Stripe is available. Yeah, I feel like Adam... Real solid I think we've got a show and tell from Adam. Oh, my God. That's a bottle. Put it back. I've got loads of these, and it's 8.2%, and it's beautiful, and two of them get you merry like. They're class, and I'm going to drink it out of my Viking horn. Well, For audio for audio only listeners, Adam, can you describe what you hold? This is... This is Henry Weston's medium dry vintage cider. It's smooth and rounded finish. Um, and it, as I said, it's bulky, um, but it's, it's just extremely, extremely alcoholic. Um, Did you know, by the way, that Adam auditioned to be the voice of the Marks and Spencer's food advert? <laughs> and he didn't get it. I'm still waiting for the call, guys. Norma, what's your uh, can of choice? If I can get it. I mean, it's always a bit of a job, but, you know, when I manage it, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful occasion. Um, Courage Directors, it's like, it's only about 4.5%, but it's dead smooth and um, dead easy to drink and really refreshing. And uh, I, I'll, uh, I'll be opening a few cans when 
this deal happens. Alex, Heineken is it? Heineken. <laughs> it's, I do only Heineken. Off of a can, it's, uh, it's Castle Lager, which uh, I import from South Africa. You do, personally. Yeah. <laughs> he does as well, he does. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, or well, has it? Been awful. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's South Africa's premium lager, and it, it reminds me of sitting uh, in Cape Town watching England play cricket, so it's my kind of choice. Good effort. Okay. Okay. I didn't expect you to be importing your own, but all right. <laughs> Have you got any ready for the... Yeah, I brought, I brought, I brought some ahead of, uh, ahead of my wedding earlier this year. Didn't get through it all, so I'm saving it. Oh, that's nice. Um, okay. Um, What's yours, Charlotte? So I like beer and stuff, but um, <laughs> I think my can of choice is probably vodka tonic. <laughs> Not as much a can as much as it is. You can get it in a can. You can. You can get it in a can. So I'm allowed to have it. But yeah, surprise, that's Surprisingly, I... that's only the second worst answer behind Adam's bottle of cider. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like, you know, if I don't know. I don't know. I probably have like a a pale ale if I was at, if you made me but if I'm gonna you know if we're gonna be celebrating I'm gonna want to get drunk and, and, know, and know, yeah well I've got this which I'm, I'm just gonna crack open a can of peas <laughs> drink this garden peas this is garden. this this is vodka is so nice and they plant a tree for every bottle that you buy oh that's wholesome Mm. Nice. So you can you can enjoy it guilt free. What kind of tree? Um, vodka, vodka tree. tree. Vodka tree. <laughs> Put putting an apple core in your back garden doesn't count for me. Uh, no, it's um they have a, a whole thing. So on the top is a number, and you can type that into their website, and you can see where your tree is. That's good. Can it be anywhere? Um, well, I, I think it's where they plant it, but um, yeah, it's a high shoot if you ask. <laughs> yeah, that was what I was going to say. Well, they put one in my garden. I don't know. You'd have to speak to them. Anyway, I'll be drinking vodka. Um, the takeover tree? Anyway. <laughs> I like that, though. That's, that's it. It's a great concept. I'm trying to keep my head out of, like, just in this of the frame because um, my roots are so abysmal. Um, okay, from Anthony Edmonds Fahi, do you hope the season finishes now so that NUFC can start the rebuild for next season and we can bin Bruce and give the team, the new manager, a long pre-season to sort the team out? Mickey? I, I, I realised yesterday when I was looking at the um, the table that Villa are currently in the relegation zone. So for me, end it now. Get them down. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, what do you think? Do you want it just to end, leave everybody as is, and then and get the team into pre-season? Make you stole my thunder a bit because I think Sunderland, if they spend another season in League One, will go bust. So if we're going to finish them, whatever mid-table position in which they currently find themselves. <laughs> They, oh, okay, that's where they are. I don't really pay attention to them. I don't know what league um, they're in. One of the leagues. One of those ones down there. Somewhere down there. I don't know, in that pyramid somewhere. Um, Adam, what about you? I, I mean, I, I obviously love to watch f like three matches a day, but I don't understand how they do it, and I, they probably shouldn't do it, and it's just, it's just wrong. I miss football the bits, but, like, just do it on... Just let maths and a machine do it. Like it's the only safe way of doing it. Um, so we've got some sort of algorithm where it's a points per game, 
but then it takes into account the strength of opponents remaining and stuff like that. So let let some maths wizardry do it. I know it's really boring. Call it call it ahead, you know, call ahead on the season, and then look ahead to when the next season might start. It's the only really boring answer, but like I just think it would be so wrong to see people running around tackling where we're all going to see their parents. It's going to be weird, like closed doors football is just weird anyway. Alex, what were you going to say? Just just to give us a really serious answer for a second, yeah. it would be class if we could at least try and get to the FA Cup finals so that when my class were in, already in Europe and wouldn't go. So finish it for that reason. Yeah. To continue um, with the serious answers, you know, uh, if, it, if it could be proven that it was safe and going to use anything that was necessary for actually important things, I'd love to see football back because it would be it would be something mid to focus on at the weekend. Norman, what about you? Um, if the takeover happens, get rid of Bruce, bring in Rafa, win the FA Cup. Happy days. Uh, also, um, I would maybe suggest they could take they could rent out gates at Leisure Centre and just play five a side with the twenty teams there in um, different coloured hazmat suits. I don't think there's anything wrong with that idea, and um, I'm surprised it hasn't been discussed. And to be honest with you. I'm a little bit fucked off that I haven't been consulted. <laughs> Norman, well, Norman, Norman you could call it has has masters football. <laughs> oh, look at that. We have a gun. We'll talk after this, eh? Yeah, yeah. Um well this is going out for free, so maybe, you know, maybe they'll, they'll the people will hear right. that. And uh partial credit. <clears throat> uh Alex, who wins the ball in a fifty fifty, both in their prime, David Batty or Joey Barton? Well, I never saw David Batty play, unfortunately. Um, uh, Drew Barton played for Newcastle predominantly as a right midfielder, hitting long balls to Andy Carroll. Uh, and David Batty got th- sent off three times in the same season in 97-98, which featured on Max Mind recently. So I'd go with David Batty. David Batty's the right answer. It's David Batty. I've actually I saw him get sent off um, before in a away game. Possibly a way to Blackburn, actually. Yeah, I think you got sent off. We lost. <laughs> we lost. My lasting memory of David Batty is was it the Euros where he missed the penalty? World Cup. World Cup. World Cup. Don't, don't, yeah. don't, don't say that. Yeah, no, I, I, was, I just remember it because I was in France. I was in France with my family and, um, and we rushed through tea. We were out for tea and rushed through tea because my dad knew that the game was on at the resort where we were staying and got back just in time for the penalties and then I think my dad might have cried. Tell you what, shame on everyone else in that team for letting the absolutely non-prolific David Batty step up and take a penalty. <laughs> Is there not a story though? Is there not, <laughs> a, story where, is there not a story where that for some mad reason Hoddle refused Refuse to let them practice penalties or talk about it because we're going to win the game. Because that's how Aileen, yeah. Because Aileen, Aileen Drury had already had like a word with each of them, and they should spoke in the magic words uh, yeah. that obviously turned out not to be magic. But, but like, because he basically had Aileen Drury pretty much who is a mystic as his assistant manager, uh, and that should have set the alarm bells ringing pretty early on, but it didn't. <laughs> Um, Still preferable to John Carver. David Batty's taking penalties at the World Cup and basically Aileen Drury fucked it for everyone. Um, in, in terms of the tackle, I think David Batty would win it unless it was Joey Barton when he had the tash because that tash gave him powers. That it was more Raj with the tash. What? Yeah, more Raj with the remember, tash. Remember, 
you remember when he scored that screamer against Villa when we beat him 6 0? And Great people accused him of having a Hitler tash, I think the Guardian or something. And then he celebrated by putting his finger above his lip. And everyone was like, you know, it, it just it just seemed to be inviting controversy on himself, not suggesting for a He second. loves it, doesn't he? No, yeah. he does. Does anyone think that the um, Hitler tash existed pre Hitler? And if it did, what it was called? Yeah. Just... The Charlie Chaplin? Yeah, Charlie Chaplin. Chaplin tash? I think it was quite a like. I think it was slightly subversive, but I think it was still something that quite a lot of people did. Yeah, it was like the, the 1920s equivalent of being a goth. They having a tash like that. Yeah, maybe. It was. It was always like 100% pervert tash. Yeah, <laughs> pre or pre or post Hitler pervert tash. Call it. Hmm? Do you remember being in Chaplin's bar at Bournemouth away? Yes, Boston? Bournemouth away, Chaplin's bar, Charlie Chaplin theme bar. I think. <laughs> did I get proposed to? There was a very strange. Why are you asking him? <laughs> there was a. I was quite. There was a strange man who I think might have proposed to me. I think I've repressed it. Let's move but, on. Sorry, <laughs> but um, yeah, the was there a life-size Charlie Chaplin in there as well? It was yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was. He was life-size. Was not just a bloke dressed as Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> Charlie Chaplin. <laughs> it was a stuffed version of Charlie Chaplin with his real skin. Ew. <laughs> Uh, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Getting dark. Um, Norman, Norman, Hi. why do you think signing Geordie Jacob Murphy hasn't worked out or is there still time? Um, I don't think there is still time. I think, uh, you know, he's, he's a talented player, no doubt about it, but I think um, obviously something just wasn't there for him to kind of break through. And I think... The fact that he's gone on to, to Chef Wed, who are a, a kind of mid-table championship team, would, would suggest to me that his level is probably is a decent championship player. Um, I don't think it'll happen for him at Newcastle, unfortunately. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's a shame, but it's football. It was a gamble that was taken, and I don't, I don't think it's one that'll pay off. Any opposing views there, or do we all think that Norman summed it up pretty well? I, I, I quite liked him and I support him a lot. And actually, when he's started games, he usually pops up with an assist here and there. It's, it's like in terms of starting... But he's just—he doesn't—he just doesn't have that determination, or he just doesn't have that desire to be the best he can be. I think he's, like you say, he, sometimes you don't know with players until they get here and you see them, you know, up, up, you know, up, up close. But nah, if he's not going to get into the team pre-takeover, he's definitely not getting anywhere here. Yeah. I think that, that, that last point is a good point, Adam. But I think it's harsh to suggest determination. I just—I just think he was a young player who'd had a decent season in, the, in, in, in Norwich, who finished. 16th in the championship. He's just he's just not good enough. I don't think it's a ability or mindset. He's fast, and, and teams take chances on fast players because pace is so sought after. I just don't think he's he's a Premier League player. Do you think, think as, Alex? Would you put put him as a Championship player like Norman does? Or yeah, well, you see that with players in the Championship. You get some. I remember we we played Bristol City when we first went down. One one nil. First went down. <laughs> Only time we went down under Rafa. Um, and their fullback, uh, I think Kieran Clark played left back for some reason that day. And um, their fullback, their, their winger, absolutely tore him apart. But every time you skinned him, you hit the cross out of play. And that's the difference between a championship player and a Premier League player is you need an end, an end product kind of three out of four times. Whereas Jacob Murphy's of the same milk, isn't he? That he's, he just doesn't have the quality of, of delivery. Um, so he probably will end up playing the majority of his career in the Premier League and uh, the championship. And that's no bad thing, really. It's a good, good um, with them. league to be in. <laughs> Not for us, of course. Would you do it? Would you? 
<laughs> yeah, definitely would. If it was my, if it was me, and I was being paid thousands of pounds a week, I definitely, definitely still would. Um, David Graham wants to know if anyone can recommend a decent football book to read during lockdown to fill the void. Um, what's the, the Far Corner? Fever Pitch is good. <laughs> The Far Corner is a great book. You've probably read it, though. Tony Cascarino's autobiography, as much as he's kind of, you know, he's not particularly likable on, on talk sport, if you ever happen to, you know, tune in on a Sunday morning because there's literally nothing else to listen to when you're taking a dog for a walk. Um, not great on that, but his book itself, I think it's called Full Time. It's fantastic, and it, and it gives so much detail on what it's like being a kind of journeyman footballer and back at that time as well, when, when it was literally... Like just a job, um, and he ended up going to France. And there's some great stories in there, so I, re- I really recommend it. It's 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 not what I'd call your typical um, footballer's autobiography. So uh, that would be my recommendation if he, if he hasn't already read it. But um, I want to read that now. Really good. Good. Um, I yeah, the only one I can really I don't read a lot of non-fiction. Um, so the far corner, really. I I'd say uh, up there by. Michael Walker is an essential read for any football fan. Um, in Savage Enthusiasm by Paul Brown, uh, about how football basically became the mainstream sport in this country. Um, and the period between the wars in particular uh, is, again, the two books I'd recommend any football fan from any club to read. Um, yeah, great. Thanks. I had I did have something to say, but I've completely forgotten what it was. So. <laughs> Is that whiskey? I, I wrote a sequel to a, a, a children's book that I, I still can't be thinking about for years. It was a, a children's book about a kid with magic boots. You wrote, he, like, you wrote became, it. I, I wrote a oh sequel. Oh my god! Not, you not, told us about this before. I have. Yeah. Not not the sequel. A, a sequel. Yeah. <laughs> Which extended no, to my primary school teacher. You just felt the creative need. Yeah, I did. I, yeah. And it was, um, it was, it was tremendous. I, I really, really want to find the original book. The, the, the sequel is long gone, lost. Only a privileged few got to read it. Um, but whatever, whatever that kid's book was, was class. And it was about a, about a kid that was shy at footy. And then he got, he got some magic boots. And then he was, it was like the best player in the school team and the one school cup. So it was all a con. Class. All a con. <laughs> I just bought, I well, just bought this, the big book of football by Mundell. Um, it's for kids. It's for like six to 12 year olds, like just learning about football and learning about football, like legends and the history of the game and all of that stuff. And it, it is just, it's a beautiful book. If you have kids, like the illustrations in it and stuff are amazing. I bought it for me just because I thought it looked nice and um, I started reading it and I was like, oh, I've got to send this to my friend who's got like two little kids because it's so, so good. I don't think it's exactly what our question asker, um, David Graham, wanted because it's for six to 12 year olds, but it's so good and it's such a like pretty book to read. So I um, your your children's book thing there, Mickey reminded me of it. I think anyway. we've answered that question really badly. Uh, Alex and Norman answered it very well. Oh, yeah, yeah, you two did I, but that was two two from five, wasn't it? Like my, my suggestion was my own book that I wrote <laughs> when I was five. And yours is a kid's book. And Adam said no, so <laughs> sorry mate. I did actually say Please? a proper one. Did it say something? Did you <laughs> say it louder? 
I said fever, I said fever pitch earlier. Oh yeah, he did. Oh yeah, that is a good book. It's a really good book, yeah. yeah. All right, let's Sorry. move on then. Um, <laughs> Michael Borum wants to know. In a dystopian Hunger Games type scenario, if you position a hamper of Greg's finest baked products at the goal at the Gallagher end, who would win in a race from the Leaser's goal between Mike Ashley, Steve Bruce and Leigh Charnley? And would you need a photo finish or VAR to determine the winner? Norman, who do you think wants those pastries the most? I think there's every chance that by the time someone finishes, the pastries may have gone out of date. But um, <laughs> if I had to put money on it, um, I would say Steve Bruce because Steve Bruce knows a football pitch. He understands, you know, how he would understand it with times. You've been at the hair, a bit like the hair, you know. Uh, sorry, the tortoise as opposed to hair. So I think uh, I think Steve Bruce, yeah. And you think it would be clearly Steve Bruce? Hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. What about you, Adam? Yeah, I would say Steve Bruce as well. But actually, I think a better contest would be putting them in those massive um, orb. Zorb. Oh yeah, zorbs. Do it at half time. Get them in those, have them all drinking and then set them away. That, I mean, I'd pay to watch that sport. I wouldn't pay because I think that you would get like, it would be, are there heads in the inside of those things? No, do you know what they used to do at half time at the pitch? The burden that would be a problem. Like in a full, <laughs> like, like atmospheres off gladiators. And then they'd, and then it'd basically just be two pissed up lads that have been drinking half a day and they're going like arse over tit and they're just like really, really I just think there would be a lot of vomit and it really it's bothering me. Yeah. Um just I was just thinking that actually Mike Ashley, I think, was um number three ranked um for squash in Berkshire in nineteen eighty three. Um and there were seven people playing in Berkshire at the time. So he has got sport and pedigree. Um so maybe Four of them had no arms. Kind of his proprioceptive uh, abilities as a former champion squash player in Berkshire, where the seven people played, um, that might do him, do him the world of good. But I, I still, I'd still go with Steve Bruce, despite Ashley's obviously squash talent. Alex, Mickey, do you think? Yeah, um, I can't tell you who'd win. I think, I think you'd get three different outcomes. One, Mike Ashley wouldn't turn up because he'd be missing like he has for the entire time as only Cast United. Two, there he is. Lee, Lee Charnley would talk about why it's impossible to get the other side of the pitch <laughs> due to the size of the race. And, the <laughs> and uh, Steve Bruce would just spend time complaining about the, the previous person that ran the race and how no one would give him a chance anyway, so what's the point in doing it? How was the bacon? And, and then just How's say, the bacon, did you say? Silly. So I, I reckon that the, the race wouldn't happen because both Ashley and Charlie, and it's a shame for Charlie because he's lived here for 20 years, but both Ashley and Charlie are going to be banned from the city once the takeover goes through, so they can't attend. So Bruce wins by default. All right. Steve Bruce. Steve Bruce is the winner. Well done, Steve. Well done for him. Um, okay. Michael Borum as well. How many cans will Mike Ashley let us down before news breaks of his acquisition of Sunderland? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the perfect thing, isn't it? He loves a distressed asset. And boy, are they distressed. Yeah. Um, the, the, the beautiful thing about that is many of the Sunderland fans would welcome, would welcome him. J just because they have to be contrary to us. They, they, they say, oh, Ashley's not that bad, you know. Um, yes, he's terrible, and <laughs> find out. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, I'll drink a can of vodka 
tonic, <laughs> um, to him acquiring Sunderland because he's just gonna. I'll I'll pay. I'll, I'll if, you know he's already got eighty two quid of money. That's <laughs> probably never gonna get back for <laughs> games that won't get played. I've got me. I bought Man City, Bournemouth tickets. Games probably never get played. So he's already got some of it. Use it, Mike. It's yours to spend on some. <laughs> Buy Sunderland. But, would there ever be a more like a more delicious portion of icing on any cake in the world than Ashley, <laughs> than Ashley buying Sunderland after he got, after he lost to Castle? Tremendous. Worst of a stadium of life. Thing is, though, that's <laughs> yeah. the thing is, like their situation at the moment. Ashley buying the club is a gigantic improvement. Like if Ashley bought the club and brought in Pardew as manager, <laughs> as director of football, that would be a gigantic improvement on the utter shit show that they've got going on there at the minute. Hardship so, is available now. So I would celebrate it with a can of peas because it might actually mean that, you know, they're back. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely, nutritious peas. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to Twitter, shall we? Um, Mickey, you like this question, so I'm going to come to you first. How would you describe the character of the different bits of St. James's Park and the fans that sit in them? Should I, should I pick a couple? Yes. And then answer them gonna, and then no, pass, like, pass it on. All right. I prefer the control. Um, you can have the Gallagher end and Milburn stand. Yeah. Well, the, Gall- the Gallagher end's full of like the, the sound fans, like the, the blokes that have been going for 40 years and, and still love it and still have four pints before the match and two after Milburn stand is full of the people that don't want to go Whoa. to the match. <laughs> the, the, the corporate seats are rubbish. Milburn and... stand is the corporate seats. Milburn stand is where my dad used to have his seat, his season ticket. And, and there's, there's never any noise. Corporate. When they made there's it the no... corporate, they moved him into the East stand. Yeah, I know that they, that was really bad, but the, first of all, there, there are corporate seats in the Milburn stand, guilty as charged. But there are also loads of like normal fans as well in there, and people who just like a good view. From the yeah, side. they never like... get back. They never get behind the team. They never. I, yeah. I knew it was going to be controversial, and I said it on Twitter. But the, the Milburn stand never gets behind the team. I, I think. I think that's it. important. My argument against you is based completely on individual. Like, r- r- I see what you're saying as a whole. I think there are pockets there that are, that would... not. Right. Well, I disagree. So, Adam, you get the East Stand because you sit there. Right, so I've constantly heard the East Stand be referred to as like the retirement home, but basically all like old people sit with blankets over their legs and stuff like that. I've got a really sweet deal actually in my seat because I'm a couple of rows down from my parents, so I get to hang out with my parents every match day, and that's pretty good for me. It means it saves me from driving over their house like so often as well, which I'm lazy, I just like an easy life. Um, that's awful. There's, there's, I know all the people around me now. I know the people around me now, and I get given. I'm off. So my mom's called Val. She's a couple of rows behind. But there's another woman called Val in this row behind me. Never. I get ham and peas pudding buns. I get tunnocks wafers. I get honestly pork pies. The lot. It's it's like basically like being like being in the corporates, but like it's just better and it's better crack. Um. So I get like a picnic every time I go. It's better. You're not doing loads for the retirement home aesthetic with Val, who brings <laughs> the pork pies. I want to own it. Okay. Like, you know, I enjoy sitting there. And I'm close enough to that, that I can shout at people and um, get some crack going with, with some of the players sometimes. When Norman, is, is there a bit of the ground that you want to talk about or not? 
It's difficult for me because um, I'm still not over the fact that uh, I had a season ticket in 91-92 for the family enclosure and that was fucking nails. So everything since then just seemed to be a bit of a, a damp squib. Um, family enclosure, <laughs> I've, never, I've never recovered. Sorry. It's okay. You mustn't apologise. You just, you work on that. I just wish, like, I wish we could go back just for one game, back to the like, glory days of level seven corner, where it was like, fucking loose. Did you see anything? Before, before, we, before we got disbanded as, a, as an area. That was, that, was, that was, in my opinion, the best singing section in Britain, that level seven, three to 5,000 people in it. Um, and it was absolutely class. And this is the thing when people talk about you couldn't do safe standing now because you couldn't move a load of people for people to want to stand with well, the fucking move does. <laughs> they just went, yeah, yeah. then can't sit anymore. Find, find somewhere else if you want. If, if you don't, fuck off, basically. That was, like, <laughs> yeah. was the communications from the club. Um, just, Charlotte, I'll jump in on for the leasers because no one's yeah. taking the leasers. Yeah, I was going to say, um, we've got to do the whole ground. Yeah, it, it, it's funny, isn't it, that you know, the, the leasers stand is so, and the Melbourne stand are so kind of you know, aesthetically pleasing in terms of the fact they're the bigger ones and they've got the great roof. But no one, no one will know. I think the Melbourne stand they started building it and then just didn't for about 15 years. And they took the, the, the roof off the leasers um, and then, then just let it basically fall apart <laughs> so, until it became too safe, uh, too unsafe to host people in. So a little bit of history getting its own back there where the Melbourne and Leesers look so beautiful now uh, where they had to put up with the East Stands and the Gallagher for years being the only place people would go. It's quite good. Does anyone remember the game? Does anyone remember the game against Sunderland where there was no roof on the ground and the, I was sitting in the Leesers at the time and we, had, we were given anoraks because it was pissing it down so badly? Never forget that. Never, that never game, forget that game. That game didn't happen. I quite like the idea of you know you said it the level seven. The second section of level seven was just like like noise cancellation for the away fans. It's quite good because you you couldn't when the singing section was up there you really couldn't hear the away fans because you just you directly drowned them out with all your opposing. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the impact that that singing section would have had if it had been next to the pitch instead of miles away? Yeah, but it, it was really whenever I went with my dad, he'd always point to level seven and be like, That's our singing the, section. The funny thing under before I had, um actually took over, they would open level seven for games that it, it just wasn't required. You'd get a load of people who went to level seven just to be right next to the away fans. Um it's like some of the some of the states people used to get in going up and down the three thousand stairs on like a Wednesday League Cup game against Portsmouth. Um uh, you know, I quite like the leasers for that reason, particularly when the the away fans were like between the two of the Melbourne and the um and the leasers. They're right, they're, obviously everyone knows they're totally in the leasers behind the goal, but they were in that corner before, so they used to get shit on both sides, which I quite liked. Now it's only from a group of young Rajis, who the ones who got the eighteen and twenty one tickets in two thousand and thirteen, who are like thirty now, <laughs> still getting on like an underrated. Good for them though, I, I, I back them. Um. Okay, we'll move on. Um, also, people listening, if you disagree or if you have your own opinions of stuff, tweet us or put it on our Facebook group or something. We love to interact. Um, okay, T- let's talk table. If we get, if this takeover goes through, this is from Chris Curry on, um, on Twitter, Takeover goes through and we get Potch, or he hasn't said it, but even Rafa back, right? We've got some investment. 
where realistically where do you see us in the table next season imagining we start the season like normal we obviously don't know what's going to happen mickey top 10 would be tremendous wouldn't it like it, it, you know it, it's going to be baby steps heading upwards and, and to finish a solid top 10 you know where we're, we're not looking over our shoulder from from at any point during the season solid top 10 looking upwards thinking about next season that, I think that would be great we don't want to get too carried away and say oh, we're going to finish in European first step here we're not going to need to because we're going to win the, the virtual FA Cup as Alex said before so we'll be in Europe anyway but I, I, I reckon I reckon top 10 if I was to put a number on it now obviously it's, it's total speculation but I'm going to go ninth. yeah I was going to go ninth. that feels like a nice place for us to be Alex wants us much higher than that, I think. I do, because looking at the current Premier League table, we've been fucking dog shit most of the season. Uh, we didn't win a game between like December and um, March, and we're only um, eight points off fifth, Man United. <laughs> and we've been absolutely dire. Yeah, last season was, or oh, this season was so weird. The table was yeah. so weird and compacted. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back Rafa Benitez with some good footballers. In fact, Folk even signing anybody, just Rafa Benitez with the footballers we've got now. Maybe we need someone ahead of Joe Linton, but never mind. Um, I'm going to back him to get where at least fifth, and that's without signing anyone. Um, so, I'd, you know, I'll go third. <laughs> third with at least two cups. <laughs> no one's deluded. Oh, did you see me there, Charlotte? Sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, it's fine. I'm, uh, I'm with Alex. I think if, um, if Rafa had this particular squad at the start of the season, so if he'd been like let's say he'd been kept on, given the way the Premier League's gone this season, I genuinely think we could have finished like, in the top five. Um, so I, I, I would go, yeah, I would go sixth. Six. Adam. I'm somewhere in between. I think top eight will do me. I think that's a good place to start. It just means you know top eight campaign means we've won a decent amount of games. We've got a couple of scalps, and we'll, you know. We'll, Things are genuinely quite good, and people just enjoy going to the match. That's yeah, like a whole... at the minute, isn't it? That people just give a shit about going again and having a good time. And I think top eight probably feels about right. It's not, it's, it's sort of baby steps, but you know, it's you've still got people like Everton who are spending hundreds of millions and still hovering around the eighth and seventh. Do you know what I mean? It's it's still quite tough in there. Oh, they're shite. Look, look where oh, they are. Yeah. In terms of like match match day experience, if we if we went from this to fourth in one season, I, I fear for the I fear for the city's livers. Robson did I it. I fear for the well, city's like, you know, just... took, took two players <laughs> for Robson to get us from eleventh to fourth. Robert and Bellamy, eleventh to fourth. So can be done. Can be. Will it be? Time will tell. Um, all right. Well, we've got time for a couple more, I think, and then we'll wind this up. If I haven't asked you a question, feel free to shout at me on Twitter. Um, I will ask it at another juncture. Um, this question I'm going to go in on. Would you? It's from JP Quinn on um, on Twitter. Would you be happy with new owners changing the stadium name and turning the club into an advert of Saudi Arabia or one of their enterprises if the income is then invested in the club? No. The answer for me is no. Obviously not. Like... It, you know, somebody wrote, oh, this is an interesting question given the uproar under Ashley. The uproar wasn't because it was Ashley in Sports Direct, it was because it was changing the name of an institution within the city, I, I think. I think turning the club into an advert for something isn't, 
desirable at all. And it seems to be, yes, or oh, do you disagree with me? I don't think that's strictly accurate because if you remember, first of all, they changed it to an email address and then they, <laughs> uh, there wasn't yeah. any money going into the club. It was to advertise it to, to companies to see that it could be done. And it was already, it was the, the biggest bunch of horseshit you ever heard in your Yeah, it was terrible. So I don't think it was just because it was, there was no money paid. <laughs> there was, it didn't cost them anything. So you, would, would you be okay with it if it was, if think, it was money being reinvested? I would rather, I would rather it didn't happen, but, I'm, but it is part of modern football. If we want Newcastle United to compete at the very highest level, if, if, if the fans, you know, I'm a democratic person, so if the fans decided that they were against it, um, fine, I, I have no issue with that as well. But you're going to have to pluck that 40, 50, 60 million pound from elsewhere to, to try and make up the, like that. That is, that is modern football. I'm not saying that it's sovereign investment fund. There's trillions in there. Yeah, I, there I, are. Sorry, go on, Adam. Sorry if I've cut you off there. I was just going to say, I think unless you build a new stadium, you can't call it anything but St. James's Park. And everyone's going to call it St. James's Park anyway. And whether they call it whatever on Max of the Day or whatever. It's, it's, it's irrelevant. If, it, if, it's a, if it's still St. James's Park, it'll always be St. James's Park. I mean, Liverpool were going to win this. The council never changed the signs and they were very adamant about not changing the signs. Even if the stadium was called something different, they didn't change any of the, the pedestrian signs to, from St. James's. It will always be St. James's Park, regardless of that, whatever. And I just think, yes, the sponsorship would be class and it fast tracks us to be able to buy more players and do all that kind of stuff. But I'd rather go a bit slower and keep the name personally. I'd rather keep the name. The answer to the original question, I'd say I'd, I don't want that to happen, but yeah. I also, I'm, I'm not going to not go to the match or something. If it does. Oh, no, but that's, well, not no. The, that's not the question. The question is, like, would you be okay with it or would you, you know, would, you, was, would there be uproar? I don't think people would be happy. And it, it seems like, uh, it, like uh, obviously it hasn't happened. We haven't even been officially taken over yet. So pff, who knows? But... It would it would be an extremely tone deaf move to me if a new owner came in and then changed the name of the stadium. I I think it will happen near near enough. Definitely, they're going to rename the stadium. It depends what it is. So my my feelings on it when it was changed originally, I was foaming because because it was Ashley and because of what he did. But I was more foaming when it when it when it was looking like it might have been the Wonga Stadium. You know when they bought the rights and then they oh, gifted yeah. it back. That that was the point where when when they hadn't confirmed that they were going to give it back and it was there was talk that it could that it, it was Wonga that were going to buy the rights. I was fuming because it's such a horrendous horrendous company that destroyed people's lives. So it depend it depends what it is, but I think the the reality of the the situation is it's a, it's a really easy way to inject a significant portion of money into the club and and allow us to spend that money again on players and and and, and get around financial fair play things. So it. it if what we think is going to happen is going to happen in terms of spending, it, it, it'll happen whether we like it or not. I think we need. I don't. I don't want. I don't want it to though. I'd like it to stay at St James's. We'll all call it that. But FFP it might be completely different post COVID anyway. So I'd rather assess to see what the what the FFP restrictions are and then see if it's worth it. But honestly, I'd rather not. Norman, you look bored. Actually, do you have a view? Um. <laughs> I think if it happens, it happens, and there is nothing we can do about it. I mean, I, I wouldn't be happy with it, but ultimately, it's it would just be another um, kind of sign of, of modern football. Stadium names change, and all the history linked with it is is hugely important and everything. And we'd be 
you know, a lot of fans will be hurt by it, but I, I don't think there's much we could do if it happened. Um, I would be happy if they call it the Thunderdome. Mm. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> Thunderdome would be good. That's yeah. it. No, nothing else other than Maybe they'll do a like suggestions box when they've bought it, like at the gate, so you can pop that in. I'm still, I'm still laughing insane, and I haven't really stopped laughing since Mike Ashley tried to ring in the stadium after any meal address. The audacity. As much as the man is an absolute imbecile, the fact that he did that is just... It's, I mean, it's hilarious on many levels. It's really funny that he tried to change the name of a football stadium to an email address. I mean, was, um, it was quite something. Um, all right. Jonathan Collin probably got maybe one or two. Jonathan Collin wants to know... Do you think everyone is getting carried away with the meeting with the MP? Obviously, that's the Toon Hall thing that um, the, the Trust got involved with. Um, your podcasts, meaning us, um, and others, when up to now, Ashley still owns the club. I suppose there is an element of getting carried away. I also suppose that we've never been this close before. People close to the deal are saying this is, the deposit has been paid this is happening major news outlets are covering this you know across the world um i i i don't are we getting carried away i don't think so we'll get carried away when it really happens norman i don't i understand the question to a certain extent but i can speak from from what i've done um since obviously the the deal came back back to the fore um we did a podcast with Miguel Delaney, a journalist who'd tweeted out opinions on the takeover, and, and our podcast with him was was a response. It was a it, it wasn't us instigating like a, an opinion straight off. It was like you you've got an opinion, and we want to listen to why you've got that particular opinion. Um, and the same with the the lad from Amnesty. Amnesty sent a, a letter to the Premier League, and as a as a fans organisation, we thought it would be good to, to speak to Amnesty to get to get their um, opinion and, and to ask them why why they did it. So. I don't think it was a case of us just saying, oh, there's a rumour that takeover's happening, let's go out and start talking to all these different people. It was more of a, a kind of reaction to, to what was put out there in the first place. Okay. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. It was, uh, yeah, there's so much out there that it feels like it's, you know, as a, an outlet that we are, as a, as a platform that we are, having those conversations is valid and, and interesting and important. Um, Alex, what do you think? You were shaking your head before. No, it, it's just that. Are we getting carried away? Well, what what has anyone done to get carried away? You know, we've done podcasts about it and we've had some articles written about it. And, you know, we aren't journalists, any of us. We listen to those we trust um, who say that a deal has been agreed to sell Newcastle United. Not might be agreed, not close to being agreed. A deal has been agreed and a deposit in, in, in place and contracts exchanged. So neither side can back out now. Um, if that's not worth getting excited about, what is as a Newcastle fan? Yeah, I, I don't think we've got carried away enough, to be honest. Um, especially in the circumstances where like, we've all got nothing else to do or nothing else to get excited about. Like, I, I, I don't think it's even started yet. Yeah, I agree. I think when this actually... It's a good thing that... Well, it's not a good thing, technically. It's a terrible thing, what you're going to say. It's a terrible thing that we're not allowed out. That's what you're going to say, isn't it? It's a good thing that we're not allowed out so that people are sensible but it's not it's a disaster like it would be the best 
The best Don't bot in the city's in my history. Mouth. That wasn't what I was going to say at all. All right, sorry. Jeez, you get angry. This is like Adam getting angry about what Steve Bruce might say. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I was going to say it's a good thing, but maybe it's not a good thing that lockdown's about to be eased because people can probably go out and, you know, have a can in the park with their friends, maybe. Not what that's going to mean, is it? No, probably not. Also, it definitely shouldn't be eased. Uh, it's very no misleading matter. terminology. <laughs> We're still in yeah. the houses. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, shall we? I've got a couple for you, Norman. Why aren't you on Twitter? Because my new friends um, told me I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> that seems fair. Uh, but truth, truthfully, um, I was on there for I was on there for quite a while, um, and then I realised after being on there for quite a while that I didn't really like it, so I decided to come off. Um, that's pretty much it. Um, it's like any form of social media. I think you can just end up spending too long on it, and you can also end up spending too long worrying about opinions from people that actually mean very little to you. Um, you know, there's a lot of good dialogue in there, a lot of good interaction. You meet some fantastic people. Um, but at the same time, there is, you know, there are an element of people who just like to, to abuse for no reason other than the fact they get a perverse pleasure out of it. And I just decided that I couldn't really be bothered engaging with that anymore. And um, I would engage in, in other ways, and I do. So that's it, I guess. Well, that's fair enough. Thank you for answering. Um, I started writing a response much less eloquent than that to that end to that person on Twitter. But I thought, well, you know what? This is an opportunity to hear it from the horse's mouth. Indeed. And the second question to you, Norman, is why have Norman and Mike stopped going down rabbit holes? Such a laugh with the time difference from John. He obviously doesn't live in the UK. Was a great listen on the way into work. Well, Prem Patter, um, it, because there hasn't been any Premier League football to to base it on really um, and we've done a few free ones and because they're out on a, on a public platform we've kind of reined in slightly the, the opinions that we do behind the paywall because um, obviously you know I, I'm kind of concerned about my future job prospects because I'm getting laid off at the end of July I don't want anyone hearing some of the stuff that I do on Prem Patter with me <laughs> no, no, um, but we've got one, we've got one um, recorded last week uh, and it is most hated players and there's a few rabbit holes we go down oh, there. that sounds like fun. Satisfy the, um, the person who asked the question. I, I didn't, did, you didn't give the name, but hello to that person and thank you. I did. I did indeed. John Nalen. I didn't. John I, I looked at it and didn't say oh, it. John's regular. So good on him asking the question. And uh, once, obviously, once the takeover happens and Peyton starts up again, then there'll be some seriously big rabbit holes to go down. Excellent. So John, the True Faith podcast owes John about a grand because uh, we're, no, don't we, say that. we met up with him in Australia when we were there for the Ashes and he, he bought us uh, several rounds of expensive Australian alcohol. So That's so nice. That's the least he could do from Norman. Yeah, Norman's <laughs> going to go down so many for you, John. Um, Adam, Rob Salter wants to know, assuming takeover happens... First three impact players the club signs, which positions? You don't have to name specific players. Obviously, you can if you want to, but what positions are you going for straight away? I would honestly buy three strikers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> very, very poor up front. We need three strikers. Um, 
I like the idea of getting a spine in, like getting a world-class defender, world-class midfielder, box to box, and then a, and then a, just a, an absolute fucking superstar up front. Spine. We've already got Dubravka in. He's world-class. Laughing. Correct. Mickey, what would you do? Much the same, isn't it? The, the one I'm most excited about has been linked with is, uh, is Kubalali from Napoli. He's, he's fucking a class, class of defendant. It would like completely transform our team having someone that good at defending at the heart, at the heart of the defence. So he, he, he'll be number one. I know I wasn't supposed to name players, but I have named him. You can. He's, he's I said you number can. One, number one for me, if we could sign anyone in the world, like within, you know, within reason, which is a new reason after the takeover, he, he would be the first choice. And then a centre bit of the striker. It's obvious, isn't it? Like, put three yeah. quality players through the middle of the pitch and it transforms us. We don't yeah. need a goalie because Stravavka's class. What word was that that you said? Class. No, it just sounded like you said Dubravka wrong, but never mind. Um, Dubravka? It'll be my connection. Um, the um, Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that we need a striker, one or two even. We don't, we, like, creating some, <laughs> three or three, uh, creating some competition there would be lovely, wouldn't it? To have, to have that opportunity, like that, 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 you know, people on the bench who are hungry to like come on and, and show what they can do. That would be it be lovely lovely for us to have that so that's where i sit on that i'm gonna focus on the forwards um alex what about you there's a reason adam and chris do the true faith transfer show uh i, I don't know yeah i think i think I, you can't really beat uh adam's answer i think we're, we're well set at the back uh we'll probably do with some some really good fullbacks but again it's it's all about strikers isn't it mm. norman I Norman, mean, you're very good at. Um, sorry to interrupt you as I ask you a question. Um, you're very, you're very knowledgeable with the Prem Pattis shows and and the international football that you watch and and pay attention to. It. I'm going to ask you a question of my own. If we are looking at like forwards and strikers and stuff, who would you like to see on our side? I bring Hosselu back because he's doing the business in Spain, obviously. No, um, I think. I mean, it's it's a difficult one because you don't know what, what kind of expenditure you know is going to be permitted. Um, and obviously, if it's if it's like really insane amounts of money, then you've got to be looking to be getting a kind of marquee signing in to kind of make a statement. And obviously, you've got to start looking at clubs like PSG because you've had Neymar who's been unsettled for a couple of seasons, and yeah. Bappe is going to want to change. They they they're two players. And we're getting in the realms of fantasy here, but if, if we're talking about actually spending hideous amounts of money, which is the impression that people seem to have, then you've got to be looking at at least one player of that ilk, just somebody who's going to come in and just lift everyone immediately. And it was obviously going to give the new owners kind of the press attention that they, that they want um, in a positive light. Um, it isn't our Robinho, isn't it? What's that, sorry? Man City got Robinho when Sheikh Mansour took over. We need our Robinho, this just a world world stop. Man, Man City gave Rabinho to Mark Hughes, so let's let's hope they don't give um, Steve Bruce Neymar. That would be a bad move. Um, but yeah, I mean, they they would be they're the first oh to pop to mind. I mean, to be perfectly honest with you, they could go. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily be a player who's kind of relatively young. They could be because this whole model of buying players to, with a you know the, the proviso of, of development, and sell them on, it doesn't apply anymore. And as, as silly as it sounds, they could even do something like audacious, like try and get Ronaldo for a season because he's, you know, he's 34 now, but he's still, he would still be the kind of signing that would kind of light the touch paper. Um, but until I 
understand how much money's there for the club to spend, it's it's just really difficult to kind of speculate. There are some fantastic players. You've got the young kid at Dortmund, Haaland. Um, even someone like Lewandowski could do the business still in the Premier League. And he needs one more challenge in his career. So, yeah, the, the sky's the limit if the money's limitless. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's just like the most outrageous list of players you've ever, like, I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, imagine. Neymar, Mbappe. Lewandowski, Harland, well, like, the best attacking players in the world. It's all fantasy and speculation because we, we do not know what's going on. But, but if the details and the press are being believed, if the excitement's to be believed, then it's going to be a lot, of, a lot of money to spend. And I do think that if they take over, they will want to make a statement. So they will go out and they will buy a huge marquee player. And at the moment, they obviously are market players. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm saying players of that ilk are the ones that they'll be looking at. Yeah. I think, like... Even with loads of money, there's some players that just wouldn't come because of the reputation of the club and the fact we're not in the Champions League and all that kind of stuff. But then you've got to look at players that are unsettled. You know, the players like Coutinho who need their careers kickstarting. Cavani is in his 30s, but is still class. Imagine Cavani with a number nine on his back, scoring at the Gallagher man. And he's, he's a beautiful human being and he's just rag as well. I would love Cavani in. What a player, man. And the best air. That is the most important thing. Yeah, of course it is. The new um, All right, well, I'm going to ask one more for us to get our teeth into. Um, from Gavin Lowry, or Lowry. Sorry, Gavin. It's one of those, probably. Um, on Facebook, it was Hope Everyone as well. He was listening to a non-football-related podcast. Okay, I'll let you off. Um, about comedy duos, and he got thinking about partnerships. Who is our favourite Newcastle United-related duo? Could be players like Cole Beardsley or Keegan Hall. Um, note for me, Dubravka's left leg and right leg don't count. So that's me out. Um, uh, Adam, who are your favourite NUFC duos? Off the top of my head, Beardsley Cole's a good one. Ferdinand Shear is a good one. Jose Enrique uh, Gutierrez is a really good one. Kabai and Teote there's just a start of the 10 okay uh, Mickey your hand is up was it I don't think you can have Jose and uh, join us without like a little a little splash of Collagenia in there as well like, no, two, uh, yeah two in a bit um, I I really loved um, as much as I hate, hate him as a person like Chiro and Valerie as a parent were, were class to watch it was like fucking old school like Get the ball up to Shearer. He'll batter someone and get his get his ditch on it, and he'll just put it in the path of Bellamy, who's faster than everyone else in the world, and he scores. I I, I love I love that like just like like primal football. Like get it up to the big lad up front, the big strong lad. He'll give it to the fast lad, and then you score. And it, like it was it was so effective. I I, I loved it. I really did. And it, it doesn't exist You're in football anymore. You know, you, about it. You, just love it. Just own it. <laughs> But you don't you don't get it anymore, do you? Like there's there's very few teams play with two up front now, and and, and I, I can't think of anyone in world football that plays with like a big, a big strong centre forward and a little fast one over up. What about Perez and Rondon? That was a nice little pairing. Yeah, that was nice. I love. Almirón now. Don't just Almirón out. Yeah, the of Almirón. By that, um, the goal against Everton, where they both did that wonderful interchange. Yeah. Yeah, gorgeous. I'm surprised. Uh, I'd go for my, I'd go for managers. Um, obviously, Pods and Carver. No, I think. Uh, 
for me, um, for me, it would be Keegan and Terry Mack. Um, even though Terry Mack, you know, you don't necessarily think that he, he had much of an input into the tactical side of things. I mean, we don't know, but obviously his relationship with Keegan was so vital to, to Keegan as a manager that um, the, the two of them just worked together beautifully and obviously a totally different era. But at the time, the, the level of excitement that, that those two together generated was just spectacular. And I'm really glad I got to witness it. That's, That's nice. Yeah. I didn't really. I mean, I was very little and my dad used to take my brother when I was quite little. So I never really got got to, but peripherally, I don't <laughs> um, Alex? Yeah, uh, tough one after all those great answers. I'd say my favourite duo, uh, which has given me a lot of personal, personal pleasure, it's actually two football clubs. It's Burton Albion and Sunderland. Whenever, <laughs> whenever they meet... Beautiful things happen. Amazing. <laughs> That's really a very good answer. Uh, okay, on that note, I think we'll probably wrap up. I think we've done about an hour here. If you are still with us, oh, thank you. Um, thank Welcome. you for listening. We really enjoy doing these. If I haven't got to your question, as I say, just shout me on Twitter. I'll try and get it into our um, list for the next time. And... Um, we will probably do one of these. I mean, there's probably not going to be much football, but hopefully post takeover, fingers crossed, we'll do another one of these and, um, and we can all be absolutely off our faces on our respective cans. So thank you again for listening. Uh, we'll be back. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.